Exactly. But just because I don't lie naked with my ad director when we're discussing rates doesn't mean I'm doing what you're doing. No. You have people in one life who don't even know the ones in the other exist. Well, you know Meredith exists, he pointed out, refusing to take me seriously. Yes, but she doesn't know about me. How patient I was then. Do you realise that I still don't know your home address, Charlie? Don't you? He looked genuinely startled. Three Park Crescent, Dulwich. Happy now? Hmm, I bet there's no such place. And did you even open that birthday card I gave you? Did you actually put it up in the house, on display? His eyes, the colour of clay, widened with amusement. On display? Yes, it's on my desk. Just for a limited period, mind you, before I donate it to the Tate. I tried not to giggle. I suppose you've scribbled out all the kisses in case she looks inside. I prefer my kisses in physical form if it's all the same. Adept at denial though he was, he was leading a double life all right. There were no two ways about it. <laughs> Actually, there were. I even looked the term up in the dictionary when he'd gone, but reference materials were not especially well represented on my shelves, and the only tool available, a pocket dictionary from my college years, listed nothing between double knit and double lock. Occasionally, now, I wonder if I shouldn't have been content with what I had. Perhaps I should have sat tight and concentrated my famous charm offensive on him. He was still a one-in-a-million catch, even if I was only allowed half of him. And since love magnified his delightfulness at least a hundredfold, my stake was surely worth fifty non-Charlies. He preferred his kisses in physical form. I remember the feeling so well, it makes me tremble. Today is the day. It's etched on the inside of my eyelids before I even realise I'm awake. And when I pull up the bedroom blind, it's scrawled across the sky, Red Arrow style. Over and over and over. 26th of June. The last Saturday in June. The day before Charlie leaves for San Francisco. The date I set when I finally lost my patience with him and said, Tell her, or I will. I mean it, I said next and then I marched back to the office and wrote a big red M in my daybook, the one that holds every detail of every deal in current negotiation by the sales team. If it's written in there, then it's definitely happening. Not that I'd be likely to forget a date of such import, of course, but you never know when you'll be in need of that extra visual prompt. I might suffer some rogue blow to the head, for instance, followed by full-on Hollywood-style amnesia, and lo and behold, Charlie would be free once more to bury his head in the sand just where he likes to keep it. Luckily, it is Saturday, so I don't have to share headspace for this personal crisis with the broader one of managing 12 developmentally arrested newspaper sales reps, or, for that matter, their scarcely more sensible group heads. Only yesterday, my number two, Steve, was found to be the brains behind a Friday afternoon frenzy that led to a waste paper basket being tipped over Ronnie's head, cold coffee dregs and all. Nor must I wait six hours for a hangover to lift, because I left the bar after one glass of wine last night, expressly to keep a clear head for today. Act with a sober head, repent with a sore one. That's what my father always says. In his office fridge, he has champagne for his clients and elderflower presse for himself. They are almost exactly the same colour. It is 9.30am by the time the phone rings. I am up, dressed, drinking coffee and staring at the small triangle of river visible from my living room window. The water is pale and steely. 
And if I lean back on the sofa and narrow my eyes, it looks like Mercury is being slowly funnelled into the room. I don't know whether to be soothed by this or frightened. And it hardly helps matters that I can no longer look at the Thames or any of its bridges, buildings or walkways without thinking of Charlie. Is that you, Anna? It's him, of course. But there is a flatness to his voice that makes me kill the smallest flare of hope that he's calling to say he's done the deed. He's bringing her across town as we speak. They're on Tower Bridge right now. Foolish of me. Even if he had delivered, it would be I who must be presented to her. Any meeting between us would be on her turf. Charlie, hi. That didn't sound like you at all. He scrapes from the back of his throat that dry little chortle that's as familiar to me as my own voice. No, I assure you it is. I don't chortle. You sound weird. Weird? I don't know. Guarded. His voice.